Welcome back, and welcome to our back story conversation with Rupa Mohan. Rupa, what a remarkable story and remarkable storyteller you are. You are new to True Tales Live, but as a professional, you are hardly new to storytelling or performing. And there's lots to discuss, so let's plunge right in. As Pat mentioned, you serve on the board of the Storytelling Association of California, whose mission is to promote storytelling as a living art. And as part of that, you are leading a project to bring storytelling to underserved schools. So if you would tell us a little bit about the association and in particular this project about working with underserved schools. Yes, um, it all started about 20 years ago when a young storyteller who was also a librarian and a school teacher suddenly passed away. Her name uh, was Jenny. So after that, the Storytelling Association Association of California set up a fund to honor her because she used to be very active in the festivals and all the things happening here in our area. So now, um, and I think at that time they were going to use those funds to um, sponsor certain storytelling events. Um, but when I came on board, we decided to do something uh, more regularly. Uh, we wanted to bring storytelling into uh, classrooms of, as you said, underserved schools, which are, there are quite a few of them around us who have never experienced storytelling, you know, because they just cannot afford to um, host storytellers. So what I do is, first of all, identify these schools and then find a coordinator who will help us liaison with these schools and then recruit storytellers um, usually from our membership or beyond and match them. And we do stories uh, <clears throat> getting into the schools. And because the pandemic was there, you know, when we started about three years ago, we initially did it on Zoom and we found that it could be very effective. We could reach a larger audience and have big assemblies. Um, and uh, now uh, we've had also an opportunity to go into the schools. So this, um, I have a little committee that helps me with this and we've been making progress um, in different parts of California, not just the Bay Area where I'm from. Now, is it first person storytelling or is it more folk tales? And no, it's, uh, it's folk tales, but sometimes uh, the schools, uh, the teachers ask us for certain themes like civil rights, women's empowerment, you know, stories uh, with those kinds of themes. And I try to bring bring diversity um, in the storytellers and we offer them an honorarium. So we are, you know, valuing their time and efforts. So it works out well and we've had a very good response so far and we are trying to make new inroads. Now you also belong to an organization called the Asian American Storytellers in Action, as Pat mentioned. Yes. That certainly is an interesting sounding name. I like the sound of storytellers in action. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about the organization, its mission? Yeah, and that mission? also started during the pandemic. And we have uh, uh, Nancy and Robert who are very um, experienced storytellers. They've been telling for 40 years and they live here uh, in San Francisco. So uh, they started this little group. They reached out to us. They had just met me at a conference the previous year. So they reached out to all the Asian American storytellers. And we started meeting on Zoom every Tuesday. And uh, 
bonding and you know exchanging ideas and uh, we became strong and we started out actually as uh, Asian American storytellers in unity and now we've had a name change because we're starting to become more active and uh, we have uh, yeah we got we got many opportunities to perform for NSN um, to do other shows you know at, together as a group and we have Japanese American, Korean American, you know, South Asian like me, and um, a lot of representation. And we've been keeping at it. And in fact, the Bay Area Storytelling Festival is coming up on Saturday, and we are going to be doing a um, showcase there, all the Asian Americans uh, in action, or I think five of us, including Robert and Nancy, our mentor. Sorry. Yeah. Will that be a Zoom show or in person? It's going to be a hybrid. So, yeah, I, I should actually put in a plug for that. We are, uh, there is a virtual ticket as well for those who cannot be here in person. Well, and you, maybe we can get that into the chat. Okay, I'll, yeah. You also volunteer as a storyteller and a docent for school groups at the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco. And your website, it says in the museum, you build stories around art objects. So how does that work? Are these traditional stories that you somehow connect to works of art? Or do you create stories specifically to go with the works of art? How does that work? Actually, that's how I got started with storytelling. About five years ago, I just stumbled upon this program at the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco. And their storytelling program has gone on for 30 years. In fact, tomorrow we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of that. So we have an archive of stories, uh, folk tales, uh, stories about heroes and sheroes, animal tales, you know, um, from the different Asian cultures. And we, we pair them with the art objects at the museum. And what kind do, of art objects? Yeah, we have beautiful like vase, like a vase from Korea with a tiger smoking a pipe. And we have stories, tiger stories that, you know, you could select from and uh, like a Japanese painting. And we have many stories that could associate with that. And, you know, then, then there are some sacred stories about the Hindu gods and goddesses because we have many uh, Hindu deities in our collection. So there are lots of possibilities. And uh, as storytellers, um, we are just given a theme and we can select stories and go to those particular objects and actually take the school students, you know, uh, through the galleries and tell three stories in three different places. Uh, so that's the format. But now with the pandemic, we started doing that on Zoom as well, which opened up new possibilities. And we could look at objects that are not necessarily on display, you know. So, uh, and we had to rethink how to engage the students um, uh, via the chat or actually interact with us. Even this morning, I did a tour for uh, preschoolers. Uh, telling a story from Japan, and there were about 33 kids, and they followed it up with an art activity. So, wow. <laughs> now does that, since you're doing it on Zoom or online, does that mean you can also recruit tellers who are not usually part of the organization? You know, for this uh, Asian Art Museum, where the, uh, the tellers have to go through a one-year training, and uh, I happened to be be at the right time and the right place, so I got to do that. Uh, but uh, I think every three or four years, the training is offered. So people who are interested can join that. But 
It'll be mostly in person, so they should live somewhere in the Bay Area in order to become storytellers here. Wow. Well, to use Pat's favorite word, <laughs> you recently completed Chautauqua training and developed the historical character of Mahatma Gandhi's wife. Now, I should tell you, Rupa, that I grew up in New York State, but I know virtually nothing about Chautauqua except the name of the town and where it is, but I know very little about the Institute. So okay. could you tell us about the Institute, about your training, and what led you to the portrayal of uh, Kasturbo Gandhi uh, as your portrayal project? Yeah, I, I understand it's an old tradition. It started in the mid-1800s and people would gather in the summer. And I think it started there uh, around Lake Chautauqua. And that's where it got its name. And uh, scholars would come and do portrayals of, you know, historical characters and oh. presid presidents. And people would gather around as part of, you know, their summer uh, holidays. So that's where it started. And um, um, the... You know, it isn't that well known here on the West Coast, but Chautauqua, uh, this way of, you know, presenting is more popular in the Midwest and the East Coast. And um, the North Dakota humanities decided to try and help revive this. And I just saw it on Facebook. They were uh, recruiting people into their institute where they would train train for a year and uh, they wanted a new uh, generation of Chautauqua scholars because many of the old, you know, the veteran scholars who do this and are very good and have made careers out of doing it, uh, they were all, they're all kind of getting ready to retire. So uh, in an effort to do that, North Dakota Humanities um, put out this call and they wanted us to propose um, characters. And I just thought um, Kasturba Gandhi would be good because she is like an uh, like a unsung hero. You know, everybody knows about Mahatma Gandhi, but not much about her. So I just sent in a proposal and I was one of the 12 people selected. So we went through a year long training on Zoom. We didn't have to go to North Dakota. So um, on Zoom, we would meet a month, once a month, and we were assigned mentors. And I had a wonderful mentor uh, from um, a university in Boston. And, um, you know, um, we just went through the whole process of collecting data, doing research. Uh, I had not really done something like this at such a deep level. I had done a few you know, small portrayals of historical characters from India, but nothing like this. I had to really deep dive and do a lot of research. And we got opportunities to present to each other excerpts. And so the, my final presentation was in February. And uh, it was a 45-minute uh, portrayal of Kasturba Gandhi with a Q&A and, you know, uh, interview uh, in and out of character. So... Um, it was a little daunting because I'm not used to telling such long stories, but with all the mentorship and, you know, the <clears throat> training, I built my confidence and I think I could really um, get into uh, her shoes, you know. So you were in effect doing a one person, one act play. Yes. Is that safe to say? Yes. One person, one act, except it was on Zoom. 
but I hope to take it on the road and do it on stages. That's my goal. So I went basically went through her entire life uh, in 45 minutes because, wow. uh, yeah. Oh. From the time she got married to uh, her, you know, her death. But now I've started doing smaller pieces of it because I don't know if it's uh, feasible and how many people are interested in sitting for 45 minutes. I'm not sure. <laughs> so I've just been doing like her life in South Africa and, you know, her life in India and, you know, trying to cut it down to 20, 20 minutes. And that seems to be working well. But I really enjoyed the experience and um, it was my chance to try and do theater, which I ha haven't done in a long time. The last time was when I was in high school. So, Well, maybe you could do it as two or three acts with a little bit yes. of a break in between. That's what I am. Well, actually... we're getting close to the end. And my last question is always the same question. And that is this. Uh, part of our mission is to really encourage new storytellers, people who are brand new. And so in a sentence or two or a paragraph, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's just thinking about starting out in storytelling? I would say that um, just don't worry that other people are going to judge you. And I think for me that helped because at this stage in life, I didn't have like the butterflies and all the things that I would have had as a younger storyteller. So. I would say just go for it and uh, make use of all the opportunities that Zoom has to offer because you don't have to travel. You can get coaching. You can get opportunities to tell. You can get feedback like, you know, today. I mean, uh, this is really open doors for all of us. And I encourage people to uh, hop on to this. And I have some friends in the audience today, so I hope they will as well because I think the the you know opportunities are boundless for us right now well this does bring us to the end of our conversation and thank you so much rupa you really are a renaissance woman <laughs> and this brings us to the end of our program a couple of brief reminders following up on what amy said our next workshop is next tuesday may 2nd from 7 to 8 30 if you are a beginning storyteller, try our workshop, a great way to start, and you can sign up on our website. To learn more about us, check out, check out truetaleslivenh.org. And while you are there, sign up for our newsletter, True Tales Times. And if you are already a subscriber, we have a favor to ask. We'd appreciate it if you share the Times with your friends. Know that your sharing your copy of the Times does not pre-commit your friends to subscribing. What it does do is help out build our audience so more people can enjoy our true tales. Speaking of which, our next show is May 30th, Tuesday, and our theme is Like a Fish Out of Water, Plan to Jump In. And as Amy mentioned, drum roll please, we're having our first in-person performance in years, True Tales Live in real life at the Portsmouth Senior Center, June 30th at 6.30. Six tellers in two three-teller sets with an intermission. Since True Tales Live is a nonprofit, it's our fundraiser with ticket donations of about $15 more if you can, cash or check only. We don't own a credit card machine. It'll be great. Please mark your calendar. And finally, tonight's show will be posted on PPM TV's YouTube channel. Thanks to our editor and good friend and producer, John Lovering.
And thank you all. I, sh I should thank you all for inviting me. And, you know, this is such a warm and comfortable group. And I really enjoyed getting to know you all, though you're on the other coast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. <laughs> and just to close, in her book, The Cornish Escape, British author Lily Graham writes, we need stories in order to understand ourselves for good or bad, to be inspired or horrified. It's how we cope with being human and how we decide what type of person we will become. That's our program for tonight. Thanks to our tellers and our crew and you. My name is David Frainer. Good night.